Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast. I'm Erika Cole, creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System and your podcast host. I hope that you've been able to listen to this current series that we're in called Healthy Leaders, Healthy Churches. From a legal standpoint, healthy leaders and healthy churches directly reduce potentials for legal liability. You'll be really excited for today's episode because we're dealing with issues that, while uncomfortable, are very timely. So today I have with me a special guest. His name is Simon Ozamo, and I probably botched his name even though I pronounce it a lot. I practice a lot. He'll get to introduce himself shortly. But he is a nationally recognized organized crime, terrorism, and nonprofit security specialist. He spent 14 years as a detective in England working on serious and organized crime. So when you get to hear him speak, you'll hear that fantastic British accent. He's also served as the former head of counterterrorism at the Mall of America in Minnesota, where he oversaw the internationally recognized behavior detection program. He holds a BA focused on British American criminal justice and is a member of Westwood Community Church in Excelsior, Minnesota, where he has served as security advisor since 2013. He is a podcaster himself, very much the professional in this field. And so I'm happy to welcome you, Simon, to the Church Law Podcast. Enrique, really excited for this conversation. I know it's been a long time coming, so it's great to sit down with you and share some knowledge about safety and security in churches. Well, it's funny because actually Simon and I connected, I want to say it's been well over a year ago. Yeah, I think it has at least a year. At least a year. And in fact, last week we had scheduled to record, but for whatever reason, technology was not allowing us to be great. But today we're here and I'm excited for what the listeners um, will be able to take away from today's podcast episode. We will also plan to make this available on the Church Attorney YouTube channel. So you'll get to see Simon for yourself. So Simon, I just want to jump right in here. As the world becomes less friendly toward the Christian church, and honestly, we've seen church security issues with other faiths as well. Why do you think church security has become increasingly more important? And Erica, it's interesting because at the time of recording this podcast, only last night in Germany, they had an active shooter at a church there where I believe six people tragically lost their lives. And I think what's happened really in the last sort of 
five to eight years, but more so we've been seeing a trend over the last 10, 15 years is, and some of your listeners will be maybe familiar with this term, others may not, but a church is considered a soft target. You know, we're a welcoming environment. Everyone is welcome. We lead people to Christ, believing there's no sin that our Lord can't forgive. And we want to lead them to that biblical perspective in their life. However, there's a lot of mental illness and there's been a displacement of crime from other locations. If we take schools going back to Sandy Hook Elementary School, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, Columbine, what we've seen with other soft targets, which is what a church still really is, is that they have hardened their environment. So we are seeing a displacement of crime, which is coming to churches because we're open door. It used to be many years ago that churches were a sanctified place and they, they were free from crime. Well, well, that's no longer the case. So the first thing I'd like to say is we're seeing a displacement of crimes from other locations that are hardening their environment. The second thing that we're also seeing, and this is generally my true opinion, I believe there's a mental illness epidemic sweeping America and really the world and coming out of sort of lockdown with COVID-19 for sure, is that as a church, we are that house of brokenness. You know, where you can all raise our hand and say we're all, we're all sinners, none of us are perfect. And we have a variety of different sins that come into the church. Some of those could just be, well, well I told a, a little white fear, but I told a lie today. Mm-hmm. Or it could be too extreme surrounding that someone has committed a crime and has served time in prison. It could be that someone's struggling with mental illness. It could be that someone's got sexual addiction. It could be that someone's got theft or dishonesty in their background. And we're also seeing now that we're more of a flashpoint for those behaviours that can cause softer environments, uh, sort of security issues. So I think there are two problems that I'm really seeing, Erika, but we're seeing a displacement of crime. And also, we're really a house of brokenness, so we shouldn't be surprised when church treasurer embezzles funds or when someone you know, tries to sexually abuse one of our children because these are behaviours in society and they're more prone within the church because we invite people in believing that we're a house of, house of worship. Most organisations are really saying to me, Simon, how do we keep the bad person out of our environment? Right. A church like, like you, I specialize in churches. We're very unique where a church is saying, Simon, I know we've got a bad person here. We want to invite them in. How do we manage their, their risk? No, those are really, really good points. So I want to dive more into those points, but I also feel like maybe we should take a step back for the benefit of our listeners so that you can share more about what brought you to this area of work. As you said, I specifically have spent my entire career working to the benefit of churches from a legal perspective. Actually, this June, June of 2023, I will celebrate 25 years at the bar, which is amazing. Thank you so much. And for me to have spent a quarter of a century focused on the representation and assistance of churches in legal matters, I've seen so much. I've seen the church security issues, thankfully, while they are very tragic examples of church shootings, as you were alluding to, and as I want to dive into, there are many other kinds of examples of the security issues that happen at church. So as we go down that road, tell us just a little bit more about what brought you to this avenue of working with churches on security matters. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll give you the elevated version because it will take longer than this podcast. But 
Yeah, if your listeners obviously picked up on non-American by birth, I'm now an American citizen. So technically, I guess I'm a British American, Rika. But a little bit about my journey is that I grew up without a father, often struggled with validation issues, didn't really know my place in the world, joined the police at 19, had a very successful career as a detective, accolades and awards. And everything I was doing was really for me, thinking, well, Simon's done all these things, because I felt I had to prove myself in the world. I was really searching and seeking validation from a father that I never had, and then later realized that, you know, God was always in my life. And when I immigrated here to America in 2011, I was head of counterterrorism, and I got invited to talk at an event in Disney where I was talking to the NHL, NFL, uh, Major League Soccer before it was even Major League Soccer. So it was a sort of national sports event. And actually, my phone rang when I was there. And someone said, Simon, we know you're a Christian. Uh, we know you're a security expert. Can you come and talk to this church about safety and security? And this was, it was 20, 2013, I think this was. And I said, well, I can do, but I don't really know what, what is church security. Does a church even need, need my help? And it was really funny because I went there one Wednesday evening, and maybe it's like some of your listeners, Arika, I'm not too sure everyone could really understand my accent. I could see some people were really looking. And I left there that Wednesday night really knowing two things, that there was a real need for biblically-based security risk management, and, and biblically-based is a key part of who I am. Uh, and the second was that really the Lord put it on my heart that, Simon, you've been searching for your place in the world, and this is, this is really your place. So I want you to use the skills and the gifts, the abilities that I've given you, and I want you to protect my churches. And it was a real wow moment. And then from there, uh, as you know, Erika, I helped one church that led to another church. Then people liked my biblical perspective as to how we deal with safety and security. And then I started to go across the country, teaching other churches. And it, that's, that's really how it sort of came about. And there's many different sort of skews or verticals, if you like, where the Lord could have asked me to serve, but he really said, serve, serve my churches. And since that day in 2013, we're now coming on to a decade. That's really what I've done tirelessly is do what I can to keep houses of worship, worship safe. So that's the, that's the short elevator version, Arika. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm so grateful that God meets us where we are and he has a beautiful way of just escorting us that's very much my testimony, escorting me toward my purpose. And it sounds like you have that same experience. So you said some big things there. First of all, thank you. And thanks to all of the people who serve churches as a part of volunteer security staff. We're very thankful for all of the police officers who also are often a part of the team of service. So everyone who's a part of church security including the leadership that ensures that there's church security. We're so thankful for you and trusting that this particular episode is of help to you. I think it's very interesting that, of course, we see the, again, very disheartening bombings of churches. And I say churches, but unfortunately, we've also seen this with mosques, with synagogues, shootings. And of course, those are very horrific. I just want to also highlight that so that listeners don't think, well, A, this couldn't happen to me, or B, this has never happened to me, which again, of course, we hope that is the case. But when we talk about church security, it is broader than shootings and bombings, right? So from my perspective, it's also things like vandalism, which we've seen and seems to be increasing. I would include things like picketing. I've been a part of assisting churches where they've been targeted and picketed based on certain biblical beliefs. 
I've dealt with a lot of issues around disruptive people in the church, right? So whether that's visitors or mental health issues, but someone causing a clear disruption in the church, I would put that under church security matters. So what are some of the kinds of issues that you would want churches to have an awareness of? And is my perspective correct that it's not just one of those things that can happen to some big church over there? Yeah, and that's so I want to take your first part of the question and then come back to the second one. So you're absolutely correct. There's there's a whole variety of things the church could be susceptible to. But you said something there, Rika, which is really profound. You mentioned the sort of denial. uh, And I want to address that. So in 2017, at First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, tragically, an armed gunman went in and took 26 lives within the community, injured another sort of 24, 25 people. There's around 50 people injured uh, as a result of that. The pastor of that church, Frank Pomeroy, I interviewed him actually on my podcast and sort of become friends with him post. The day when the tragedy occurred, he wasn't at the church. He was at a pastoral conference in Oklahoma. And there's a real strong message here, Rika, because the night before 26 people in his community were killed at the hands of an armed gunman, one of those was his 14-year-old daughter. Someone said to him at the dinner table, Frank, are you concerned with safety and security at your church? And it was really profound as to what happened next, because Frank said, we're just a small church in Texas. Nothing is ever going to happen to us. The very next day, he had the active shooter at his church where his daughter was killed and 25 other people. So Frank would now talk about that denial of danger. That denial of danger is real. Within 24 hours, he said no and that destroyed his community. So I just wanted to sort of make sure that your listeners really understand there is a real danger of the denial. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, being a house of brokenness uh, and also being a mass gathering and a place for the community, we are susceptible to vandalism. We are susceptible to car crime. One of my clients here in Minnesota is really struggling within their parking lot. We're already sort of three months into the year. They've had around six vehicles stolen from their parking lots, and we're trying to figure out. Why and how do we prevent it? There are divorce care clinics. There's people on the front desk where someone might come in who has mental illness or who's on drugs and they're asking for money. The church either has a policy where they'll give someone money or or they won't help them out. They might give them a gas card. People on the front desk, they are the front line. They're coming across mental illness. They're trying to de-escalate people. They're having to say, no, sorry, that isn't something that our church does. So we can't help you. And that person's getting aggressive towards them. So you're right. There's so many different things, Erika, that a church really needs to consider. And the first thing I often say to a church is, is write down all your programs, write down if everything is going on inside your church. And then just start asking yourself some very simple questions. Say, well, what could go wrong? We have a Wednesday night youth Bible group with 200 kids inside a church. What could go wrong? Um, You know, we're hosting a public baptism at a local lake. What could go wrong? And I think by asking yourself those what can go wrong questions, it leads you to finding those gaps that you can then try to fill with some type of process to keep people safe and secure. So you're absolutely right. There's a whole cadre of things that a church is facing in the modern world. Well, and again, those details are quite troubling, especially as I consider the significant loss of life that we've seen through maybe not having a security policy or being able to have an active system in place. So let's turn our attention to what 
a proper, or maybe I'd even say ideal, right? I always like to start there from a legal perspective. If we want to say, let's make this as clean as possible, let's make this as ideal as possible, as useful as possible to a church, what would an ideal security policy, security actions, would you want a church to take? I like the word that you said there, Rico, about actions. Uh, within, I wrote a book many years ago called Secure and Church Operations. And the first thing I tell people to do is identify and understand their security culture, because sometimes we try to create security programs that don't align with the church. Uh, the second step that I then have is to create a safety committee. So I think one of the actions that I would encourage all churches to do, whether you have 60 people in your congregation or whether you're a large mega church with a couple of thousand, it is create a safety committee, create a group of individuals that know and understand risk. This could be your lead pastor. This could be someone in children's ministry. They definitely understand risk. It could be your church treasurer or if you're a large church or a financial controller. That person understands risk. It's getting that group together and then really look at the church holistically and saying, what areas do we need to cover? Because as you know, Mr. Rika, working with churches, safety and security and risk management isn't always something at the forefront because we want to serve our communities. But you really need to have this committee of people who understand risk or are in and around risk. So they can really look at, well, where are our gaps? What are things that we need to do? If someone comes in and shouts at our pastor during a service, what does our response look like? What I've often found is that people that work in safety and security in churches, they have two emotions. Simon, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. And that causes inaction. So similar that Jesus had his 12 disciples, I really encourage people to create this safety committee or risk management committee, whatever you might choose to call it, where you can really look at your church holistically and say, well, where do we need to focus our attention this year? And where do we need to focus our attention next year? And then just take those small size bites. And most often, Arika, we're asking ourselves in today's world, how do we respond? And that committee can then look at what does our safety response look like? Is it, you mentioned, is this a retired police officer who could be in our community? Do we need to train some individuals, volunteers to respond? Uh, is it going to be someone on pastoral staff? But sort of uh, having a safety committee and then looking at, well, how are we going to respond to these incidences? Uh, you know, Jesus was preaching in a synagogue and a man shouted out towards him. You know, so we're going back thousands of years. If it could happen to Jesus in the synagogue, could someone walk inside your church one Sunday morning, shout and scream at your pastor? What does that response look like? So hopefully, I don't know if that helps in, in any way, Erika. No, I appreciate that, Simon. That's, that is very helpful. I think there are several things I'd want to make sure that we at least touch upon here as we're already running out of time. This goes quickly. The first thing is, the scenario where that is most likely to create a church security issue is in the arena of domestic violence, unfortunately. So this is what we know statistically. This is often a focal point where I would encourage churches just to have a level of awareness of the kinds of issues that can create a church security matter. And I love the focus of recognizing not everybody in the church is going to be thinking about church security, right? Nor do we necessarily need that. We want people, I think everyone to have a level of awareness. I would want to see that there's a level of training, but having an actual safety committee or group of people who do have an interest and a willingness to dedicate time to this important area on a regular basis, I think is key. 
And when we consider what kinds of security protocols a church may have, I would generally put them in three categories. One, I have some churches that will say, we're going to outsource this, right? We're going to actually outsource all of our security measures. We will have security or officers, et cetera, and we'll put it in their hands, right? I have some churches that have made the decision to say, we're going to have an internally trained team and we'll do it with volunteers from the church. And then thirdly, I've seen some middle ground. Maybe we'll have officers or hired security on the exterior, and then maybe we'll have some trained individuals that are working at other posts. So those are some of the approaches that I've seen. I would have the question for you, Simon, what is biblically-based security? Because you've referenced that as being the way that you would want to see churches approach handling their security matters. And how do you see biblically-based security as different from the norm? Great question. And when I work with a lot of schools, Rika, often they'll say, well, well, I don't want to do that because I'm reporting on that person. And I'll say, well, you're not reporting on that person. You're, you're helping that person. So we take that same sort of ideology inside a, inside a church. Often people will see things, they might identify risk, but well, if I say that Simon's going through a tough time, I'm actually, am I doing the right thing by God if I sort of inform on him or, or tell someone about him? Or if I lean into that situation? And most often on the biblically base, what we're saying is actually, no, you're not reporting on Simon, you're helping Simon. So if you see someone who could be portraying behaviors of mental illness, you're not reporting on Simon, you're helping him by going to the pastor and saying, I think Simon's struggling right now. We need to come alongside him as the church. We need to help him. So when we look at it sort of biblically based, and we come through that lens, these aren't people that we're reporting on. These aren't incidents where, you know, sort of judging the person. We're looking at these incidents saying, how do we help this person? If, you know, I get a lot of churches where you come to me and say, we have a sexual sort of rehabilitation program inside our church, and we have a children's ministry. How do we do this? I'm never yeah. saying, no, you can't do those. We're saying, right. well, how do we lead that person who's got a sexual sort of perpetuity to offend there? How do we lead them to Christ in a way where we can support them? You want to do their program. But that mostly means they can't be in the building at the same time as young children. So let's work right. out how we minister that person. We keep them safe. We keep your staff safe, your volunteers safe. But at the same time, we're removing situations from them that might cause them harm or cause them to sort of re-offend. So Everything that I do or in the biblical base is really looking at it through that lens as to how do we minister in this the situation? No, I appreciate that. And I think at the end of the day, we want to ensure that the church environment, to the best of our ability, is a safe place for staff, for members, for visitors, for our community. And so we're sharing this episode with you with the hope that you'll be able to take away information that's of value so that your church can be as safe as possible, recognizing that we can't control all things. Obviously, we're not God, we're humans. And unfortunately, bad things happen on earth. But as best as we can, if we can have these points of preparation, then we believe that it adds to the environment of security and that ultimately we can welcome people in for kingdom building. So Simon, thank you so much for being with me today, for sharing 
your expertise with our listeners, with our viewers. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney and the creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System. It's a tool for an internal review to make sure that your church can go for the long haul. If you'd like to access a free downloadable legal audit checklist, you can find that right in the show notes below. Thank you for coming along with us and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. For listening. If you found value in the Church Law Podcast, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a short review so that other church leaders can benefit from this valuable resource. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. And you can learn more about me and how I serve churches and their leaders at erikacole.com. That's erikacole.com. This podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.